such sights to show you. Welcome to the Sirens of Scream, the geek podcast that proves sometimes life gets firmly in the way, but you never stop loving good horror. I'm Jackie DeVore, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Melissa Megan. Hello. And Sierra Houck. Hello. Thanks for sticking with us, dear horror lovers. In our absence, so, so, so many things have happened. Uh, one of us started working toward opening a new business. <laughs> one of us went on a health and career roller coaster. And one of us proves that you somehow can live without internet for months at a time. Who knew? But you can't podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we also passed our third anniversary doing this lovely show of ours. And that is something that means a whole lot to all of us. Um, I, I, I mean, that, that's huge. That's huge. three years doing this. That's insane to me. How do you guys feel about that? It is crazy. And I think the fact that we just took a two month hiatus is uh, like it doesn't count. <laughs> we need to make up for it. <laughs> it's like a it's like a it's proof, I guess, that, you know, that these things are hard to continue at the same speed and rate without having to sort of like stop and reassess, right? That's very true. And find new ways. <laughs> we thought in the beginning, I remember saying like we're never gonna run out of things to talk about, we're never gonna run out of anything. Um, maybe we didn't run out of things to talk about, but we've run out of like energy at various points in this. <laughs> yeah. We also found ourselves in a time that's kind of, you know, hard to create things. I know I have a hard time being creative when I'm just looking at Instagram and Twitter and feeling bad about the world. And even though it's something that I think we all need to check in with each other and create things mm -hmm. that are just for ourselves and um, do the the things that make us happy. Yeah. I definitely have t a hard time finding the energy right now. Yeah. It's really hard to pull yourself out of that hole of just routine anger and honestly despair sometimes. I know. And it's like, why should we talk about a horror movie when there's like all this other shit that is more important? Yeah. When really it's still important to talk about the things that we love. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that I, you know, I've had a frustrating time the past few months just enjoying horror because i feel like life makes me feel de <laughs> desperation and sadness and anger and so like you know i find myself lately like when i go when i when i get a couple seconds for entertainment i tend to turn towards things that are not going to make me feel too much yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> or i just know that they're going to make me feel like a little you know happiness or silliness or something i've noticed that trend a lot Lately, uh, when I've been talking to people, they uh, they'll gravitate toward, you know, comedies or dramedies, that kind of thing. In a time like this, when everything just sucks. Um, that That's something I've I've been actively asking people that kind of question lately, because I, I've just noticed that sort of trend. And it, it's interesting to me. Um, personally, uh, when it comes to what kind of uh, shows and movies and stories that I want to consume, what I gravitate towards the most is something that's going to be hilarious and fucking devastating. Like <laughs> The extremes. <laughs> yeah. If it is absolutely heartbreaking, I will just devour it. That is, hmm. that is my kind of media right there. And uh, I, I think that's part 
<laughs> might be partially why I also love horror. It's not just because I also love being scared and the the whole spookiness and all of that, the the rush of it all, but there's so much devastation and horror as well. Uh, so that kind of goes hand in hand with that. But I, I, I don't know that this, the, the, the situation that we're in, in our political climate and our uh, entire global climate right now, it doesn't, it doesn't turn me off to those kinds of stories personally. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit, maybe a little more sensitive to like super violent things on shows and, and whatever, but uh as previously mentioned, I don't have the internet at my house right now. Yeah. Um, and so we've been uh, missing out on a lot of the like latest shows and movies that have come out. So like I haven't seen the new um, Chernobyl show that everybody was like, this is devastating Oof. and I can't not watch it. Um, yeah. But I've been reading a lot of books, which we'll talk about later in this episode. And I'm definitely still enjoying those and enjoying that like escapism. they're still horror books but they aren't like i don't know they aren't really reminding me of the world as much they're just like ooh, weird ghosts yeah i keep compiling um lists of things like like chernobyl you better Mm -hmm. not spoil it for me jackie Uh, (laughs) i mean we know what happens (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) don't tell me the end of the story (laughs) we're very excited to see it and we keep making lists of like okay we're gonna watch this we're gonna watch this we're gonna watch that um and just like it's really hard to find the time to and and i will say to my husband's credit he keeps saying you know hey let's watch let's watch us let's watch this and i'm like oh god i just don't want to be uncomfortable i just want something yeah. that makes me feel comfortable right now like a warm yeah. fuzzy blanket <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh in fairness there are a lot of times where i just really want to turn off my brain and watch something that is just lighthearted and funny and you know what and this is not even slightly horror related but um uh for us here in the divorce house that has been <laughs> strangely comedies out of canada oh interesting <laughs> fucking shit's creek and letter kenny we've been living it up with those lately shit's creek is so good <laughs> absolutely love it that's, that's awesome. a good one yeah, we've we've gone back. Uh, Max and I have reignited our uh, attempt to watch all of Adventure Time again. Oh, nice! Oh, god, I love Adventure so, Time. So, like, we watch like one in the morning before he gets on the school bus, and then we just watched one like before dinner or waiting for dinner to cook. But just like you know, there's like there's like a such a comforting escapism in the just like weird kookiness of cartoons right now. Yeah, for me, and I've been watching, which is totally not horror at all. But I've been watching um, Call the Midwife, <laughs> which is a show, was a BBC show that started like, I don't even know, it's so old. It's been around for a long time and I never watched it when it was on, but a lot of people talked about how good it was. And I don't know, like I, I find um, when I want to watch things that I can like kind of turn my brain off and like I can experience something interesting, but I don't have to think about it and it doesn't make me like, doesn't make me not able to sleep you know it just relaxes my brain right mm-hmm. um i tend to always go to like period dramas like even if they're really cheesy ones yeah yeah and really like versailles like i've been to versailles and then it's so cheesy but call the midwife is not cheesy it's like uh let me see it started back in when did it start find this i think i just saw 2012 and it's still going. There's still new stuff. I don't think it's still going, but there's like 11 seasons or something. Oh, wow. 
and I'm only on like season three, so I have some time. <laughs> but it goes through like it chronicles um this group of midwives who live in a poor neighborhood in East London, and it starts like in the late 1950s and then goes through all the way into the 60s. And it's like you know, there's definitely like a few of them have made me cry. I'm not gonna lie, I sit around sobbing, but. At the same time, like I find it so interesting because they find these ways to tell you about the, de- the like the early development and discovery of like all these different medical you know tools and um, d- different ways that they had to handle things like TB and polio and I always find those kinds of things fascinating. It's really fascinating and and it's nice because they tell it. It reminds me a lot of like the setup for um, Six Feet Under. Right. Yeah. Okay. Where, where like it starts out with each one with like you see a couple, like a patient or two mm-hmm. that they're dealing with, and the show is going to kind of focus on that patient um, and what's happening in their life. But then on the sidelines throughout the show, they're weaving in what's happening with the actual midwives. Like inside, they, they live in this like nunnery. Hmm. Um, they, or that's not what it's called. I can't, it's called the Nottis House, but I don't know what the technical name is for it. But they've got a bunch of nuns that live with them and they, they work out of this home. That's the only way that people in this poor neighborhood got medical care was these midwives who worked with nuns and like would go out. They ran out, they went out on bicycles all over the neighborhood to try to like help people. They were constantly out on their bikes. Um, and so you get like you get the weaved in stories and dramas of everyone inside the household while at the same time each episode focuses on like a certain woman or a certain family that's going through something. Yeah. You know, and they've covered everything from like spousal abuse, domestic abuse, to diseases, to birth defects, to, you know, um homelessness, uh alcoholism, like they cover everything and all kinds of social issues. I think there was a there was a, a couple. There's been like two episodes now that address like mixed race families or like women having mixed race babies in that time period. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting because like you know it, you just kind of you're so into the the drama and like everything's happening like oh god. And then the other episode, I'm like oh, I just learned about the first X-ray machine. <laughs> 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 like they slip all this knowledge in that you don't even really know that you're getting until the show's over it was so interesting and fun but i don't know i've been watching that at, like i paint all day in my salon and then i go home and watch that at like you know 10 o'clock at night right before i fall asleep <laughs> and for some reason it's comforting i think and maybe it's just so simple you know like just a simple life of like people trying to help people that's nice i think it sounds lovely <laughs> we've been going back and forth between watching all of the x-files and all of downton abbey i miss downton abbey which i think we love Downton Abbey for the same reason. It's like, yeah, so outside of our world. Yeah. Yeah. I miss Downton Abbey. I watched the hell out of that show. That just makes me want to watch all the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, Melissa, I don't want to um, ruin the Adventure Time for you, but i um, just going to throw it out there that in the background, uh, there's a lot of when they're talking about the history of ooh and, uh, you know, the science and stuff. And they mentioned the Great Mushroom War, which is definitely a nuclear war. Uh-oh. It looks like it's taking place in about 20 years our time. What do you mean, 20 years our time? Like, 20 years from where we live now. Mm. Like, there are, <laughs> like, there are graphs and charts when Princess Bubblegum is doing her science thing that show, uh, like, the population. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it, there's a gigantic drop, right, at about uh, 2040, 2050-ish. Hmm. 
when the Great Mushroom War happens. We we watched the episodes so randomly the first time around that I don't I wanted to try to watch them like in order this time so we can see like the continuous story. Yeah, it's it's a surprisingly deep story when you watch it all the way through. Like for a fucking kid show, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> I I think what are we on? We're on like um season I think we're on season three or four right now. And I just noticed today I was like, hey, Marceline has my haircut. i never knew she had like a little like undercut thing with crazy hair on one side (laughs) yeah she and bubblegum go through some fashion changes yeah that's nice (laughs) yeah the the uh it was the episode with the princess flower where bubblegum takes a bite out of it and her hair goes and like pops up in little (laughs) curls okay it's a hairstyle plant (laughs) yeah so with uh with all this uh, depressing shit going on and a lot of people uh, wanting to stay away from horror, but me gravitating toward all the depressing shit, I've got a list of things that I have been going through. I'm in a, a unique position these days where I can just binge watch things like none other. So I, I have a small list here. This is honestly just a very tip of the iceberg kind of list because my my list of things I've been binging for the past couple months is embarrassingly huge. So you can tell us what's happening in the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's embarrassingly long. I, I'm just <laughs> giving you a small list here, but I wanted to tell you guys about some of them. Uh, the most recent one that uh, we went through here was The Terror. Have you seen or heard of this one? Mm-hmm. I don't think I know what it is. We watched it all. Speaking of period dramas, that's a good one. Yeah, I was actually going to say that if you like period dramas and want to watch a horror... Um, it's about the uh, British naval ships, the HMS Horror and Erebus, uh, that uh, set out to find the Northwest Passage um, in the 1850s. And uh, they got stuck in the ice around the Arctic, and um, they were encountering some kind of outside force that was picking off the crew one by one. And it's based on a true story. It is. It actually did happen. Uh, the the story that they have to go on is basically what archaeologists found hmm. from um from the crew from what the crew had left behind um back in the 1850s and um kind of pieced together the events that <laughs> occurred there um the entity i will say that uh is picking them off is um it's a very interesting kind of story. It's uh, not that part of the story is not necessarily based on true events. It's something that is kind of pulled from Inuit folklore and kind of pulled from the author of the book, or rather, the the author of the book kind of pulled it from uh, Inuit folklore, folklore and kind of just made some of it up. But um, the entire story itself is, I thought it was very captivating. It's it's very it's very suspenseful, uh, the fact that it is a period piece and uh, it <laughs> kind of is in that bizarre setting of uh, just so- a couple hundred men just stuck in this in this ice up in the Arctic with these boats that are, you know, up amongst these jagged glaciers just stuck there sideways for actual years is, is such a bizarre setting. That's definitely a worst case scenario for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're you know they're slowly running out of food. They're slowly losing uh, faith that they'll ever get out of there. Slowly 
losing trust in each other and their captain and um beginning to think they their friends look yummy yeah and (laughs) meanwhile they have something that's hunting them so it's it's a lot of tension coming from a lot of different sides and it's it's a very interesting story in the way that it unfolds uh this is starring uh jared harris who um god he just for the longest time he has had the most punchable face to me but i i have to say (laughs) (laughs) i'm really coming around on jared harris i have to admit that he is he is an excellent actor and i guess i'll put my fist down and um just enjoy him for the wonderful actor that he is. How are you doing on the uh, the language in that show? In in the terror? Yeah. I'm good with it. I mean, the language didn't bother me at all. Should it have? I felt like it was a little bit like watching um like watching Peaky Blinders. Like I had to use closed captioning. I couldn't understand a lot of what they were saying. Oh, because of the thick accents or I think a mix between there's such a multitude of accident accent accents. Because there's Irish and English and Scottish and there are all these different people on the ship. And then the dialogue, to me, just seemed really low on that show. Oh, I, um, for a long while in my early 20s, I had a uh, a British roommate who had an extremely thick accent. So I think I'm a little, a little accustomed <laughs> to really thick British accents. <laughs> I mean, I watch a lot of British shows. I just, I don't know, maybe because they're they're often like whispering or talking. It's just the the dialogue was so low. Yeah. On the show, yeah. I had to, I kept finding myself kept cranking it up and then finally I just gave up and used closed captioning. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> but I'm also I feel I'm, I think I'm a little deaf cuz I have trouble hearing dialogue in a lot of <laughs> things these days. So <laughs> but there's a lot of accents in that movie. Yeah. All mixed together in conversation, so. And uh speaking of Jared Harris, he also starred in uh Chernobyl. And he was incredible in that. I would actually say that uh, Chernobyl is so far the best thing I've seen him in. And uh, he was also in um, The Expanse, which you know that I have now become a raving lunatic for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So (laughs) to say that Chernobyl is the best thing I've seen him in, I feel is some pretty high praise. I don't know how I could spoil it for you, Melissa, but... So there was this power plant, you know, and bad shit ha- happened. <laughs> okay, smartass. <laughs> but um, it is it is really incredible the the depth that they went into in this, and um, they did base a lot of the characters uh, directly on uh, people that were alive that actually went through this. Um, there is one. One character, uh, she's a doctor who um, is not based on a singular person, uh, but rather an amalgam of uh, a scientific uh, or people in the scientific field who uh, were gathering information and trying to make a stand. Uh, the main thing that um, I think is a huge takeaway here is that Russia really wanted to suppress a lot of information that was happening in uh, in Chernobyl and the there was a big giant cover up and it cost a lot of lives that way. And uh, it's weird to talk about um, Chernobyl as a horror series, but it, it really was like it. I mean, it seems like it would just be kind of a historical drama, not strictly horror, but I've, there's, I don't really, 
I, I don't know. There, there's no really good way to put it other than that it was absolutely a horror series, um, a different kind of horror series, I would say. How, like how, like how closely to actual events does it hold on to? Oh, extremely closely. So it's not like the terror where they're like working in like extra horror elements that aren't really there. Right. Uh, the terror definitely, you know, took some liberties here and there, especially with some uh, CG animation (laughs) (laughs) but um no chernobyl uh definitely stick around after the credits of each episode because they um they actually had the actors talking about specific events that uh occurred and how they wanted to show that in each particular episode uh in particular uh one that really stood out to me was the miners and how the miners helped and what they actually went through to help um yeah there's a lot of crazy shit going on there and it's 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 eye-opening like there's there was a lot of information in that show and um just surrounding the entire event that i honestly had no idea about and i'm one of those people that um likes to search down that kind of information for fun Mm -hmm. like disasters and shit so I felt like that was an interesting thing to watch unfold. It was it was incredibly well done. Um, you really want to strangle some people <laughs> and hope that they <laughs> died in pain by the end of watching that, <laughs> for sure. Did you strangle anybody? Well, I mean, the guy that I really wanted to strangle apparently died in the 90s, so <laughs> no. Life strangled him. <laughs> well... <laughs> he strangled himself slowly with radiation, I guess. Mm. And by saying, there was none. No. No, there definitely was not. Um, next up on my little list here was Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which came out like... I still ever watched it. <laughs> really? Oh. That came out like right after our last episode. Like, mm-hmm. I think the week after our last episode. So, yeah, we were talking about the documentary series surrounding Ted Bundy, or about Ted Bundy, uh, and that really showed the media coverage surrounding Ted Bundy and uh, how women were swooning around him and the media love affair around Ted Bundy, and it was a very strange take on him. Melissa, we were talking previously about how you really didn't like that documentary. Do you remember that? Yeah, no, we didn't even finish it. Yeah. <laughs> we we quit. Yeah. Did you guys end up watching Extremely Wicked and Shockingly Evil? Uh not yet. It's on our list. Um, you know, I've heard very mixed very mixed um reactions to it. So, um I'm going to watch it anyway because I you know, I like most things about serial killers, but um yeah, I don't know. I've heard very mixed reactions to it that it, you know, the old I think, too, I was turned off a bit by the, you know, this weird, like, new, I don't want to say drama, but it's like that, like, came out, like, on social media with people getting really upset about him being portrayed as such a handsome guy. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, uh, I think it's hard to put a, a a Disney actor in the role <laughs> of a serial killer and not have people feel like they're trying to prettify him. Right. Um, but there was a lot of a lot of angry back and forth on social media over the movie when it first came out and so it turned me off a little bit on it for a while. Yeah. But we're going we're going to see it. I le- I'm I'm interested to hear what you thought of it if you thought that it was glorifying. Uh it 
it was pretty good overall. Uh, I noticed it has about uh, like 50, 60 percent ratings here. It wasn't it wasn't phenomenal by any means. Um, I did think Zac Zach Efron was e excellent for the part. I was very surprised at how well he did in the part. Mm -hmm. um, I initially thought it was so strange that they chose him for that role. Uh, but seeing him in it, like he, I really think he was an, a fantastic choice. Um, I feel like they did glorify some parts of it. Um, but if anything, I feel like they more glorified his uh, relationship uh, and his family, not necessarily his personality and his character. And the reason I say that is because, and I don't, I don't know if other people will feel the same way that I do about this, but I feel like they kind of portrayed him as a lucky idiot. <laughs> like Ted Bundy himself, like from what, I, what I've seen and what I've read, it, it seems like, sure, he was charming. Sure, he was a little bit smarter than the average asshole. But for the most part, he got really lucky. He just kept getting really lucky throughout his life in in all these random circumstances that allowed him to go on being a, such a criminal asshole. And uh, I, I I feel like this particular adaptation of a story kind of showed that quite a bit. Um, they didn't really portray him as the genius that he was made out to be in a lot of uh, series that I've seen him be portrayed in. Hmm previously like he was fumbling through testimonies he was uh being a contradictory jerk through uh interviews he was you know trying to cover his tracks but being caught in lies and like it really seemed like he was just a bumbling asshole who just had a little bit of charm and so he got away with some things here and there but was ultimately caught hmm. okay so yeah so so your general review is um, Zach Efron, good. Ted Bundy, idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. I'll catch up on it. Let me know what you think after you watch it. I'll be interested in, interested to know what you think about it, too. There's something else on this list that I haven't seen yet. And what's that? That I'm really ashamed of. Is it what we do in the shadows? It is. <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> I know. I saw that one episode like six months before everybody else at Comic-Con. And oh then I haven't God. seen another one since. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I know. This, like, the entire fucking series has been, like, there, I, I don't think there's a weak episode in the bunch. It, the entire fucking series has been fantastic. And I don't know why, because that's definitely a horror thing that I could watch right now and not feel like I'm uncomfortable like or it. making yeah. myself feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think we we don't have cable. So I have to like. Yeah, it's like hard to find, I feel like. Yeah, I have to like track it down, which only means it takes an extra, you know, 15 minutes effort to watch it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So two more things I want to tell you about. Uh, one of them is called Chambers, uh, which is a Netflix original right now. It's about this girl who gets a heart transplant, and then she starts seeing visions from the heart's original owner. And uh, this particular show I just kind of stumbled on, and uh, I feel like this show is worth watching just for the 
incredible visual cinematography alone. Hmm. Like the, I, I think it was shot in uh, New Mexico, I believe. And uh, there's just so many uh, wide pan shots of uh, the, um, the terrain and the the area and it's just so fucking gorgeous it is such eye candy the show it is so pretty uh but the story is actually interesting and it it's a lot of fun it's quite a roller coaster um i don't really want to tell you more than just that general synopsis because the way it unfolds is definitely part of the fun there but if you if you've got some time chambers it's on netflix and uh i definitely want to hear what other people have to say about that. Because I, I don't think I've met anybody so far who has watched that show. And I would like to hear other people's thoughts on it. <laughs> um, and one more is uh, the Twilight Zone reboot. Have either of you gotten there yet? Not me. No. Come on. All right. Well, the Twilight <laughs> Zone reboot has <laughs> definitely been uh, another one that is just really hitting hard all through the entire season. Uh, one thing I've noticed about it is that they they do a lot of callbacks to the original series. It's kind of like they pull uh, the concepts from the original series, but change it into um, a new twist on the concept. Like, they'll do um, the airplane, uh, Terror at, what is it, 10,000 feet or mm-hmm. 6,000 feet? Yeah, Terror at... However many feet it is, yeah. Terror at however thousand feet... Uh, episode, uh, but instead of, you know, a guy on the wing, it'll be, well, I don't want to tell you what it is, but <laughs> it'll yeah, be spoil. some conflict, some other conflict on the actual plane there. Um, but they'll, it, it's it's very interesting to see exactly how they're, they're twisting these old tales that we're, that we're familiar with from the original series into something brand new. And it's, it's very, um, it's very imaginative and it's very creative and it is so original while being familiar at the same time. And uh, that's something that I, I I felt was very unexpected. It's, it's just not something that I, I would have really seen going into this. Like I, I really honestly expected completely new stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they were revisiting old stories i would have expected it to be you know like a nod to old stories or completely redone old stories but to take those old stories and just completely turn them into a brand new story is something that <laughs> i just feel is pretty incredible um so and these are incredibly well done and um uh jordan peele channeling his best uh rod sterling is Really the cutest and best thing I've Mm -hmm. seen in a while. (laughs) But yeah, the whole series has been fantastic. And I I don't have enough praise for it right now. Oddly, it's not getting that that great of reviews on on IMDb and so forth lately, which I find strange. And I'd like to have a word with those people who are giving it bad reviews. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. It's uh, it sucks when there's something like that that we have so much anticipation for, and then it lets you down. So, yeah, I'm glad that glad that you're enjoying that one. This episode yeah. of Sirens of Scream brought to you by Jackie Devore. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, uh, one thing I should also mention is that there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of tackling of social issues in the Twilight Zone. Uh, that does seem to be an extremely common theme, and that honestly could be a reason for its lower ratings. People just don't want that right now. Yeah. Or I wonder if Black Mirror kind of gave people fatigue around those topics. Yeah, it's a little bit uh it's a little bit more obvious with uh Twilight Zone. It's it's definitely more in your face about it. Mm-hmm. Um so I could see some people kind of lashing out in a more hateful sort of way, you know? Hmm. Um which would be a shame. But, yeah. Oh, Sam, SJW's making horror again. I know. What you gonna do? Trying to get people to be better humans. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> us, right? <laughs> Messing up their entertainment. <laughs> 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 and what we do in the shadows is obviously amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. And you know what's funny is I told, uh, I was telling Drew that it's almost the most serious role that I've seen Matt Barry in. Uh, Because, you know, I've seen him in things like the IT crowd where he's always, you know, being a little over the top and just, you know, using falsetto voices and being very corny and weird. But he stays very serious in what we do in the shadows, but also hilarious. But he's, you know, I mean, he's a vampire, but it's hard to explain. He's still very serious. How do you feel about the, uh, the new kind of vampire in the house? It's it's fucking hilarious. There's a particular <laughs> episode that really focuses on the new kind of vampire, and he faces down with uh, one that's similar to himself. And it is genius. It is goddamn genius. And <laughs> I, it, I really just, I'm, I'm enthralled with this series. It is amazing. I feel like it's like, you know, somebody said like, What's the scariest vampire to introverts? <laughs> like, it's like, that's like the, the monster in your closet for, for introverts, right? The What's a real vampire. vampire that you deal with on a day-to-day yeah. basis? Like, oh. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I, I have to, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm glad that you reminded me and, you know, because my brain is just mush right now, but Glad that you reminded me because I'm interested too to see how the how the whole thing changes, the chemistry changes with a female in the in the mix too. The uh, I was actually a little bit concerned about the um, female vampire to begin with because I I always worry when uh, series try to pull in a woman for the sake of oh we're just going to throw a woman in there to please the women. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, if a series doesn't write women well and just kind of tosses in a woman character, um, it just will fall apart. But Nadia is such an incredible character. And the actress that plays Nadia, I don't I don't remember her name offhand, but she's so amazing. And I I mean, I really fell in love with that character. She might be my favorite character in the entire show. So I, I hope you love her, too. I need to get on that. Both of you. Uh, we haven't really, we haven't talked about good omens on the show, have we? We haven't. Because I think it, ha- it like, came out, and and it came out all at one time, and it came out while we were gone, so... Yeah, I watched all of it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Sierra, did you watch all of it? Nope, not yet. Or any of it? I haven't started it. Sarah, okay. do you, Sierra, do you want to come and, like, live with me for a little bit and watch all the things? Yeah! 
I'll take like a two month vacation. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how you're still alive right now. I'll I'll be in Seattle next month. I'll just bring you home with me, okay? Yes. <laughs> There's no way in hell that I would stay. I would like I told you, I would have just like I would have just knocked the house down, like call it an insurance claim. Yeah. <laughs> light, light the whole damn thing on fire. <laughs> I don't understand how you can be in Silicon Valley and not have internet for two months. It baffles me. Anyway, good omens. Um, I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to ruin anything for Sierra. Did you read the book, Sierra? No, I haven't. Neil Gaiman book? The book is delightful. <laughs> well, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Um, so the general like idea of the show and the story is that you have an angel and a demon um, who find out that the end of the world is coming. The apocalypse is happening. The big moment when good and evil are going to fight each other. And these two um, have sort of like throughout their time on Earth, they, they, they both are on Earth to kind of like, you know, stir things up. The angel is supposed to keep people doing good things and the demon is supposed to make things bad happen. And throughout their history, these two have constantly sort of um, ended up on each other's doorstep and they've forged a very weird and quirky bond with each other and friendship that they won't admit to. And they basically decide that, like, they want to try to stop the apocalypse. Um, and they're not supposed to work together, and they're not supposed to talk to each other, and so they're they're essentially breaking all the rules of heaven and hell <laughs> to try to do this. And the whole thing is pulled off, I thought, and I, I mean, I know D Neil Gaiman is, is all over this as far as working on the show, so it makes sense, but it it follows you know it It feels like somebody like opened up his book and everything just like flew out yeah you know onto the screen and between all the between the weird like they've got that weird like intro with the little the intro is adorable yeah yeah, like moving along in the story <laughs> and that's really cute and then david tennant fucking david tennant <laughs> as as the demon yeah David oh my Tennant god i love it and michael sheen are amazing together yeah we we just wrapped it up last night and i have i have decided that i that show would have been nothing without those two yeah i mean their chemistry and their and their quirkiness is what made that show so much fun 100 percent, yes yeah everybody else very uh, every other character that came you came across in that show felt like a bystander to those two they were fine. They were, yeah. yeah, they were they were fine. I love John Hamm. I always love John Hamm, but he makes a few appearances. Yeah, and he was he was he was good in the role that he was in, but yeah, yeah the it didn't revolve around him. Yeah. It wasn't about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did he did his asshole thing well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's super fun. And Sierra, if you ever have internet in your life again. Who can say? <laughs> you need to binge it. <laughs> <laughs> um I thought it was really fun. I also uh, saw something else that is not totally horror, but I'm going to tell you guys about it because it was fun. Uh, we went and saw Godzilla. Ooh. The last Godzilla movie. Um, we actually took Max out for a little movie date with a friend of his. They wanted to go see it together. Him and another little boy. So, And that was really fun. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say it was like anything deep or groundbreaking. It, it it's a Godzilla movie through and through, but it is I f I found that it was so it's such a like it's such a lovely like pure you know monster movie. If you just want to see like really well made 
badass monsters going at each other, see Godzilla. <laughs> hmm. it, it was a it was a splash on the screen. Like it was so the whole thing was just so exciting and it was so big and it was just loud and you know, um and it, the monster action just never stopped. Godzilla looked incredible. Do, does it take place in a city? Uh it kind of takes place all over the place. Like all over the world. Are they wrecking things in a city? They wreck a lot of things. They wreck a lot of things. They wreck a lot of places. Like things that people need to use to get to work in the morning and stuff? Yes. <laughs> okay, then I can't. I'm going to have to skip that. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're monsters. They step on stuff. You know, all they have to do is walk and things get crushed. So it, it definitely requires a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, what's the thing? Suspension of disbelief. There's a lot of like faulty science being thrown around. <laughs> really silly, faulty science. But I don't know. I feel like that's what a Godzilla movie is. You know, that's what a monster movie is. Like, it's about monsters that shoot lasers and f- fire and lightning and stuff. And so, you know, to say that other, uh, other areas of the film should make more sense or be accurate scientifically is hogwash. <laughs> <laughs> it was a blast. And the kids had a great time with it. Um, I know the dad of the kid that we went with, he's like a he's like an old school like Godzilla fan. Um, and he really enjoyed it. He thought it was very, you know, honorable to the classic Godzilla ideas and kind of it had a lot of references to like, I guess, various uh Godzilla um like mythology and stuff, and like the the old stories of like how the monsters relate to each other and you know, different times that they've like interacted with each other and all the various movies of past lore. Hmm. It was really cool and it was visually stunning. It's a visually beautiful movie. It's really, really well made. It's got uh Millie Bobby Brown and Vera Farmiga. Let's see, there's a bunch of people in this movie. Um Ken Watanabe, uh Sally Hawkins. There's a lot of good people in this movie. Nice. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. It's super fun. And you should see it on the biggest screen possible because it's <laughs> uh, it's visually stunning. Worth it? Yes. Big booms everywhere. And then I want to talk about, there's a movie on Netflix that we watched. And it's actually horror, guys. I forgot that I watched this. It's called The Perfection. And according to Ryan, it has gotten a lot of buzz. And he kept mentioning it. People are talking about it. We should watch it. Okay. So we watched it. Um, it's a nice story about a um, cello, uh, a prodigy like cello uh, student um, who has to leave this super expensive fancy school that she goes to to take care of her mom. And she returns to the school um, and meets the the new star pupil of the school, um, another woman who plays the cello. And they essentially, you know, it goes down a very kind of like stalkery sort of it's really hard to not give anything away about this because my biggest problem with this movie is it's so goddamn predictable (laughs) anything that i say is going to give something away i wanted to mention it because i feel very conflicted about it the two actresses that are at the center of this um allison williams and logan browning actually really good they're really good actresses, and the part that they played, the relationship they played off of each other, was really beautiful. They d- developed uh, a, a lesbian relationship that looks very genuine and feels very genuine. They both played these kind of, like, tormented souls really well. They were really good, and every time they were on the screen, it was really enjoyable. The problem but how is that- well did they play the cello? 
the music was beautiful. I don't know if they actually played. I played the cello. But the music was beautiful. The, mu- the music was really beautiful. There's, In fact, there's a scene when the two of them play next to each other together, and it's pretty stunning. Nice. Um, but anyway, the, the disappointing thing about this whole movie is the actual story itself, which... Like, I felt like I knew everything that was going to happen before, like 10 minutes into the film. The only twist that they kind of threw into this was a really irritating old trope that, frankly, I'm really tired of. And so it was kind of like, oh, you know, every time you see these women together, it's like, oh, this is beautiful. Like, they're doing such a good job. And then you get back to the story again. And it's like, oh, fuck, this story sucks. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very conflicting. Like, I don't really know how I feel about it. I was disappointed in the end because just I just thought, oh, that's it. Like, that's what it was about, you know? But I don't know. I It's one of those, I feel like that's what happens when you hear, like, when there's a lot of buzz around, especially like a little indie horror film, you know? Like, it could be a super mind-blowing, amazing thing, or you could just end up walking away from it feeling kind of like, oh, that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it was really interesting. I, I almost want to say it's worth seeing it just for these actresses because they did do such a great job that I kind of feel bad telling people that it wasn't good. <laughs> but just the story they were given was poo-poo. Mm-hmm. Poo-poo. That's a bummer. Um, yeah, especially when you have, you know, two women at the center of a story um, playing a, you know, a, a very underrepresented relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, an, un- an underrepresented community of people. Um, and an underrepresented instrument. And yeah, and they do it, they do it beautifully, frankly, but everything else around them is just not up to par. It, it's one of those movies that like there were so many moments where it felt like it was about to go over a cliff of like, okay, this is the direction we're going in, right? We're going to do like a, it's going to be like an intense, like crazy, like virus movie. And then it doesn't quite go there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is going to be like a really crazy, like, scary stalker movie doesn't quite get there (laughs) Mm. it just kind of like hangs out on the edge of being a really cool movie about you know even if it was just like another horror trope like it really never gets intense enough to reach a peak with any of those things the actresses are lovely and they did a great job and ladies i'm sorry that you got a poop movie (laughs) (laughs) and then the only other thing i wanted to mention is that uh lock and key is for real now it's for real coming. They've been talking about making a TV series for Lock and Key since like, I think 2011. Uh, the pilot was ordered and then Fox like dumped them. And ever since there's been people saying they're going to make it. It's finally, it's finally happening, guys. Um, and Joe Hill is actually doing the screenwriting for it. Um, for those of you who don't know, is the author of Lock and Key. So that's really a good sign. Um, and it has appeared officially in the Netflix queue. Nice. <gasps> so it's not there yet. <laughs> but you can let Netflix know that you really want it by putting it in your watch list. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm super excited about it. I've wanted to see this TV series come to life so badly. I know that that's one of those stories that I just haven't gotten to yet. But I, when I do, I'm going to really love it. Yeah, same. I, you know, I can't, I was racking my brain trying to remember if we did a show on this one, and I can't believe that we haven't. No. We haven't, but we should. Cause this is like, this is like the number one comic book that I can recommend to anybody who has any small amount of interest in like supernatural horror stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And I've never once had a person say they didn't thoroughly enjoy the book. It's it's like a guaranteed, you know, that you can recommend it to people and they will come back and go, oh my God, that was amazing. So I'm really surprised that we haven't covered it. I didn't even want to mention it because I thought we've definitely covered this and I haven't. I've just forgotten. I think there's also a lock and key board game that I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin described it to me, mm-hmm. which also sounds like a very fun adaptation of the story. And then the fact that Joe is uh, writing the screenplay. Mm-hmm. That's also exciting. And speaking of Joe Hill, Sierra, tell us about what books you've been reading. I, I read my first Joe Hill novel, um, The Heart-Shaped Box, fairly recently. Um, I love that little book. It's so fun. He's definitely having fun exploring characters that are like hard to love um, and putting them in circumstances where they make really like honest choices, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. And then, of course, there's just this crazy supernatural shit going on all around them. Uh, and then I, I also recently uh, picked up the Doctor Sleep novel by Stephen King, which is the sequel to The Shining. Ooh, and there's a movie coming out about it very soon. Yes. Yeah, I saw the movie trailer and I was like, ooh, Ewan McGregor, <laughs> uh, and got all excited for the movie. And I was like, oh, shit, I never really read the book. Um, so I like <laughs> ordered it from Amazon that same day. Nice. And got through it really fast. Um, it was a really fun and easy read. How does that compare to the original Shining? It's, I feel like nobody's really going to say it's better or it's their favorite of their, of the two. Yeah. But I really enjoyed more depth to Danny, um, more about him. And it, it kind of pulls out a little bit more about like the, not necessarily the lore, but like the world around the people with The Shining mm-hmm. um, and how that actually affects things on a larger scale than just inside the Overlook Hotel. That's cool. The kind of basic plot is like Danny learns about The Shining from the cook uh, at the at the hotel. Um, and that kind of relationship happens again as Danny gets older. He teaches this younger girl about the shining and she's super duper powerful and there is a group of like non-humans uh who live could potentially live forever but they have to like absorb um the energy of people with the shining hmm. um and they also sustain themselves off of just like really like crazy human uh trauma and and so like they they like suck it up like vampires kind of. Um, and so they're trying to hunt down this girl who has the shining, who is like more powerful than anybody has ever seen before. And then of course, Danny is like helping her to survive and to, to beat them. Oh huh. well, yeah. This goes in all kinds of weird places, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's definitely like a bigger story than just the hotel, but um, I don't know. It feels uh, more like Americana kind of feel um the the these people the true not they're called who who suck the the lifeblood out of people they live in trailers and uh like rvs and they just go around to like different campsites constantly to kind of stay under the radar because they you would never pay attention to them and they look just like normal people um so they're constantly on the move constantly like following different tragedies um fairly early on in the book they talk about 9-11 and how the true not just like posted up next to 
like as close as they could get and just like breathed it all in. Um, and that kept them going for a while. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a really, it's an interesting one. And I like that, um, the novel continues to explore alcoholism, uh, a lot like the first one and Danny's kind of resistance to growing up like his father. But this, um, kind of just the way that like mental illness and alcoholism is hereditary, like the, that he just has the same kind of rage that his father had that he's like afraid of and doesn't want to be that person, but then he still has to deal with it and learn how to like use it for good kind of. Um, so getting into like that kind of like, you can kind of see like what Stephen King is thinking about with his own um, dealing with addiction and being a father and feeling like, you know, whether you let a kid down or um, being afraid of who they're going to grow up to be and like what things they're going to learn from you. Right, right, right. Um, and then there's another book I want to talk about um, that I saw somebody recommend on t- on Twitter um, because I think it just got picked up to be created into a Hulu show. Huh. Um, and it's called North American Lake Monsters by Nathan Ballingrud. Ballingrud? Yes. <laughs> Please tell me it's actually about lake monsters. It's it's an anthology of short stories. Um, and there is one about lake monsters. But the the through line, like, there isn't an overarching story, but all of the stories kind of focus on real people who are pretty monstrous themselves. And then there's, like, a kind of supernatural element just on the peripheral of their life. Um, so, like, the very first story, for example, is about a woman who doesn't want to be a mother. She has, a, like, a two-year-old daughter. Um, and she just wants to like leave her life and completely start over. And she meets a guy who has like found all of these human skins and he can take off his skin and put on a different person's skin. Well, that's not good. That's not what you want. I no. know. Mm-mm. And so Mm-mm. it's her wrestling with like, do I follow him? Do I trust him? No. And, and do I just leave my daughter behind? Sure. You should always trust the guy that wears other people's faces. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yep, who just rolls on into town. <laughs> nope. Game of Thrones taught us that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so things like that. Like, there's a there's a vampire story. There's a werewolf story. There's a really, like, pretty tragic uh, story that closes out the book about a woman who commits suicide and her her husband um, going, like, he he doesn't he's been through it before like she's attempted suicide before and and um he's kind of resenting her for putting him through all of that um and through the ups and downs of depression and like he feels like he's trying really hard to make their relationship work and she's just not doing anything about it and so when she kills herself he kind of like doesn't save her hmm. and then she comes back to life oh and so he he wants to take care of her and make it up to her um, and be this perfect husband because now he's like full of regret and and um, shame for how he acted. And it's and it's about the two of them. And she's she's a ghoul. She's not she's not one for this world. But he really wants to hold on to her. It's a it's a, it's an interesting book, and the stories are really cool. That um, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> how does she smell? <laughs> it goes. It definitely goes downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she def she uh, not to ruin it, but she gets she becomes more and more dead and more and more. Like, um, I mean, I hope he doesn't leave her outside on a hot day. Is 
honestly my biggest concern there. Um, a little bit off topic here, but um, if did you guys ever see Batman versus Superman? Oh, I didn't. I don't think so. Or Superman versus Batman, whatever the hell way it goes. I saw Man of Steel and I didn't like it, so I was like, I don't need to watch the second one. I saw the um episode of the Batman Superman Adventures where Batman went to Metropolis, kicked Superman's ass, and then stole his girl. Ooh, damn. <laughs> Showed him up. Spoiler, uh, Superman dies. And in the movie, which I don't care about spoiling it, it's been out for like five years or something. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite, most terrible lines in that movie, and it's full of terrible lines, um, is when they bring Superman back and he and Lois Lane are walking through the courtyard together, and she turns to him and she says, you smell good. And I thought, really? They just brought him <laughs> back to life? And they brought him back to life, like, in a pool of, like, rancid green liquid that had been left Ooh. there from the last time Lex Luthor used it? <laughs> like, There's no way. How does he smell good? How bad did he smell before? Is the real question. <laughs> and now this is the improvement. <laughs> yeah. That's just like in possession movies when, you know, the the possessed person suddenly gets unpossessed and then somebody's like kissing all over them or something's like, you know they got demon breath. Ew. Get away from them. <laughs> like make them wash their teeth first or brush their teeth first. Come on. That's a little unfair to assume demons don't brush their teeth, Jackie. They got demon breath, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you watch Good Omens, you will understand that demons definitely don't brush their teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sierra. I mean to interrupt you. Oh, no. That's that. Uh... Your story with my stupid <laughs> Batman versus Superman <laughs> comparison. Not at all. I, I got all, all that I wanted to say out on that. You have more, right? Um. Yeah. I don't have too much to say about these other guys. Right now I'm reading The Demonologist which is about the the Warrens, Ed and Lorraine, um, and they're, you know, the true the true story of them and their investigations. Uh and I am enjoying the the content of it, but the writing itself is pretty like sensational uh-huh. and and like a little um I don't know, I'm just getting tired of of the way that it's being written but I still want to know what happens in the book. I hate that. <laughs> it's a little frustrating. So I put that one down. So I don't have too much like exciting news to say about that one. And then there's, I also read a novel called Parable of the Sower. And this is one that is like way too close to home and too close, like too, too much of a commentary on the world and especially the state that it's in right now. Um, but it's written by Octavia Butler, who's, uh, she's called the godmother of science fiction. Um, she's a black woman who writes sci-fi, uh, which is awesome. And I read, uh, some of her short stories and then I was like, oh, hell yeah, I have to read a novel. And this one, I picked it because it's not like, it's kind of like light sci-fi. Like she has other books that are very like, they seem very like aliens in outer space and all of like the different races of aliens and getting into their societies and stuff like that, which I wasn't really feeling. So I took this one. It's a, it's like a not necessarily post-apocalyptic, but like the future and everything's really bad and the the earth is dying because we completely destroyed it and we're running out of resources and people are forced to either live on the streets where they're super unsafe 
um, or they can work and basically work in indentured servitude again so that their their employer gives them a place to stay, but they don't get any kind of rights as workers. And then it's about this little girl. The, her dad's a preacher for the, her their little like community that's all walled off from the world. And she's struggling with how does how do you have God in this kind of a environment? And she she kind of sees all of the the people following religion as kind of foolish and she doesn't understand why they're all living in this lie and like also just as a country everybody's trying to get back to how things were when really it's clear that they need to change to move forward and survive um so she's all about survival and how can she survive in this um and she has she's developing her own kind of spirituality and religion and so they eventually end up going on the road uh and trying to stay alive and bringing people into this and it's more sci-fi for sure and just like i don't know depressing like 1984 kind of style shit but it was definitely a good read and it's very like the way that 1984 kind of like predicted kind of how things were going and you can see like oh i that is sad that that's so true now that we did not avoid this um I think it don't know exactly when it was written, um, but it's not like a recent book. That's interesting. I was just talking uh, to a friend about Octavia Butler last week. Nice. Interesting. You bring her up <laughs> now. Yeah, that does sound like it would hit a little close to home at this moment. I, I enjoyed reading it and, I, and it has a sequel to it. Um, so I bought the second book, but I haven't started it yet because I just haven't like had energy or that desire to read it quite yet. It does sound depressing. Mm -hmm. And on that somber note. <laughs> I know, right? That was not a good plan. <laughs> Sierra brought the party. Sorry. <laughs> I have less than a month before we go to HorrorCon and I get to meet Clive Barker. Yes! Nice. I still have no idea what I'm going to say. I'm probably going to stand there and go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him if he wants to be a guest on our show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna like I'm probably gonna like spit out some nonsensical thing like uh sirens and uh, the podcast are my favorite author <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna be like this person is crazy <laughs> that'll be it um very much looking forward to that little break from life uh Max and I went to Colorado about a month ago to see my sister and both my sisters and my mom was there visiting and my niece graduated from high school while we were there and she was the center of my life before I became a mom. We talked about the Horicon and I had no idea that she is actually um has also become a huge Clive Barker fan. So in the meantime, she's decided that she just has to go with us, so she booked a trip to come and visit, and she's going to go with us to the HorrorCon. So that's really exciting. Nice. Yeah. It'll be a big family thing. Big family horror trip. Well, ladies, I'm glad we're back. Yeah. I think I think it might be a good time for a lock and key episode, because Sierra doesn't need internet for that. That's right. I mean, there's a lot of books. It's a, it's a pretty big series. Like, it's a really big series. But uh, as for this episode... 
Uh, we very much thank you guys for listening as always. And thank you for being patient with us on our break. We're very happy to have you back here with us. Uh, we are the Siren to Scream. You can catch other episodes at sirenscream.com or find us on social media. We're Sirens of Scream on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I believe we still have a Tumblr, right? We still have a Tumblr? I think so. I don't know anymore. I My Tumblr got weird. Honestly, who even uses Tumblr after their new rules? I know, right? They took all the boobies off. Now we don't use yeah. Tumblr anymore. <laughs> no boobs, no Tumblr. So, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, where can listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at Lissa Punch on Twitter and Instagram. And Sierra, where can listeners find you? I'm at Sierra Hauk on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Jackie the Robot on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thank you to Drew, our lovely editor, for all of the things he does to us. Yes. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. And thank you guys if you would like to reach out to us for any particular reason. If you want to be a guest on the show, have us on your show, or just say hey, send us a message at sirens at sirensofscream.com. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>